Welcome to Peace of Authenticity for the Remnant. We are so excited that you chose to spend your time with us today. A Remnant is a peace that remains. This is a podcast for the Remnant rising in this hour. The Remnant is a group of people who seek Jesus like it's their last hope because he is. In this podcast, we encourage, equip, and champion you to rise up and take a stand for Christ in the world that we live in. Peace of authenticity hey followers. Welcome. This is this is the podcast you've all been waiting for. Oh, yeah. The, the one, Build the it. only, the, the man, <laughs> the myth, the legend. Okay. All right, here we go. Brad Gray is with us today. Uh, he won't say any of that stuff about himself, so I'll say it for him. Um, <laughs> but Brad is leading the ministry of Walking the Text. He also has the YouTube series, the teaching series. And he's authored two books. One, the ebook that we've been going over for the past six weeks. Brad's responsible for that. And then this other one is called Make Your Mark mm-hmm. by, Brad, by Brad Gray. And we are so excited, Brad, that you're here with us today. Is there anything that I'm leaving out? <laughs> no, you pretty much you pretty much nailed it there. Yeah, no, it's great to be with the, both of you and just with your audience and being able to have the opportunity just to talk through the biblical text and really just the whole way of just reading the Bible in context. You know, you mentioned that the, the ministry we started called Walking the Text is, uh, was, was created specifically for that purpose. And, you know, the biggest thing that we all understand is that context is everything. Mm-hmm. And yet the vast majority of people haven't been taught how to think about the Bible in its original context. And it's yeah. why in so many places it feels difficult to read and hard to access and maybe feels, you know, outdated and archaic. And, and we just recognize that when you put the text in its original context, it just comes to life in amazing ways. And that was just really the goal behind creating walking the text was to be able to provide these resources, such as the books you mentioned and the teaching series and other resources and make them available completely for free for people to access as they grow in their relationship with God and just grow in their confidence in reading the Bible and having it clarified through reading the Bible in its original context. Mm. No, that's so true. It makes it the, the word confidence in reading the Bible. That's, that's a big thing because a lot yeah. of people, I feel like they open it um, and they're like, what? And they read it again <laughs> again. They're like, I don't understand. And just the fact of, uh, you know, through, through the last six weeks, Aubrey and I have, have sh- told again and again, like, Hey, we are not experts. Like we literally yeah. just spent the time to study, to look through the correct lenses, you know, and, and see the Bible for how it was truly meant to be, you know, written for us and yeah. things like that. And so I think hopefully that opened everybody's eyes to, Oh, so I can do it too, you know, and, yeah. and it, it's a lot, but, but the Bible's so deep and it's so wide. And, and most people don't even realize that yeah. like every time I get so just blown away again and again, the more, the more you dive in, the more you learn, the more, you know, out of context that you read the Bible in the proper context. And it's just, it's been amazing. Yeah, it really has. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would even say we, we already told our listeners, Brad, that we went to IBC 
and uh, you know, the Bible conference and we, we, we drove over there to, to Franklin to, to check it out, to yeah. check what all this stuff was really about. <laughs> and, you know, I tell you, it, it's been amazing to me that I've discovered just how much biblical truth or what I thought was biblical truth was taken out of context yeah. because I heard somebody preach this one time and I took that as gospel and never really understood the passage for myself. And it was just, you know, just absolutely mind blowing. And then to have you sit there and say that you study six different translations of the Bible, when I've literally heard my whole life, well, this is the only version that's true. You can, if, you, if you're reading anything <laughs> else other than this, it's not accurate. And I'm yeah. like, man, I, I love it. Hey, and that's, and that's true. If you're reading the original language, there you but go. I'm, I'm willing to bet whoever said that wasn't talking about the original language. Yeah. <laughs> it's the new King James. Yeah. So, right. so we are, we were super excited. Well, we were super bummed. First of all, that our trip got canceled when we were supposed uh, to go to, to Israel with you, um, yeah. you know, because of COVID and everything. And we're still, we're still hoping and believing that February is going to go exactly how it's supposed to go because we can't wait. But do you want to touch a little bit on that, Brad, about how, you know, how you got the vision to lead groups of people into the Holy Land and, and different places like that? You've been doing that for what, like close to 10 years? Yeah, it's actually 12 years now. Oh, 12 yeah. years. Oh, yeah. Wow. So my, my wife and I had the opportunity to go for the first time in 2006, and it absolutely changed the trajectory of our lives, not just even with the ministry and what I'm doing now, but also just from a perspective of, you know, allowing us to think through how we were going to fashion our lives going forward, how we were going to raise our kids, how we were going to think about finances, how we were going to just think about our overall purpose in life. All of that came from one trip. Because when you see the Bible played out in front of you, when you go to the mm -hmm. locations, you've walked the land, your faith becomes more real. These stories that were amazing stories come to life in ways where you go, it happened here. Like this mm -hmm. is not just some story that I've heard my entire life that there is, there, it, it's, it's physical, it's tangible. You can see it, you can walk it, you never forget it. And um, it changed our lives. and what that did for me is um, I just had a strong sense actually on my very first trip without any idea that God was doing this during the trip. It, I just got the sense of God going, this is going to be something you're going to be doing as well. You know, this wow. transformational experience that you're having, you're going to be responsible for creating for others. And, and so really for me, once I went through that first trip and then I was at the, actually at the end of my first year of seminary, but I had been trying like you guys to get on a trip for a while and it just hadn't worked out. And after my first year of seminary, I went on that first trip and then after seminary moved to Israel, studied at Jerusalem University mm -hmm. College and really wanted to go there for the purpose of leading effective trips, but also just to invest in the rest of my life, just to be able to, yeah. to read the Bible in its, in its original context. And so it is an absolute honor to lead these trips. And the way that I look at these trips is these are God's trips yeah. that I get to lead. You know, it's, yeah. it's not my trip. It's, it's God's trip. And, and 
I believe that what we're called to do is to create the very best environment and experiences for people to encounter God. And so for us, we do our trips a little bit differently than some other folks do, which is great. I mean, I feel like, you know, depending upon what people are looking for, but we have much more of a kind of a rabbinic approach to the trips where mm-hmm. there is no itinerary. You know, we don't tell you where you're going, how long it's going to take to get there. You that. just trust we're going to get to all the major sites, you know, within the time frame. And there's a number of reasons for that, but, um, you know, it really allows people to get into the experience of what it is to be a disciple, you know, from the discipleship perspective and what we understand from rabbis and disciples in Jesus's day is that Jesus wouldn't have woken up in the morning and given his disciples an itinerary of what they were going to do. Yeah. They were just invited to follow. And life is like that so much too. You know, I feel like one of the, the big things that, that I run into all the time is, is we're, we're so used to being able to have control over things you know, we've got instant news, we've got instant coffee, we've got, you know, instant access to things. We know what the weather app is telling us the weather's going to be for the day. It's like, we are so used to knowing a lot, but life doesn't afford us Mm -hmm. that same level of, you know, pre-knowledge, if you will. And I know that for, you know, most people, when they run into a really difficult circumstance, or they almost have a crisis of faith, it always occurs when there is a gap between reality and expectation. You know, when you're expecting something or believing something, but your reality is different, there's a gap. And it's in that gap where crisis of faith occurs. Mm. And, and, and so often I think that we are expecting things from God. And when we're, we don't have that control, we don't know what to do. And yet we're, you know, even go back 50 years, they didn't have nearly the quote unquote control in life as we have today. And a lot of that control is a false control, false sense of yeah, control, right. <laughs> but we were never really wired this way to, to have all of this. And so what it does is just even relinquishing an itinerary to not know how, how long it's going to take and being told, this is what you need to know. This is what you need. And let's just enjoy the journey mm. and allow God to meet us, you know, along the way. And so there's no itinerary um, they're, they're, they're very intense physically. We learn with our feet. It's not a, a typical bus tour. Mm-hmm. And again, part of that is, is we don't want to just talk about experiences that happen or stories in the Bible. We want, we want to walk them. We want to experience them. Mm-hmm. So there's a mountain. You don't know what mountain it is, but we're going to climb that mountain and you're going to find out along the way or at the top. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Gosh. This is the story that we've been walking out, you know, the whole time. And it wow. just, allows for a different type of an experience. And so it's fun and it's just an honor to be able to, you know, take people on these trips and to allow God just to transform their lives forever as a result of the investment they made in going. Wow. Yeah, no, oh it's, it's going to be awesome because the first time we went to Israel was in 2017 and yeah. it was your typical bus bus tour where you know on the the bus off the bus on the bus well we were the kiddos you know there was a lot of people that are like sure we had to wait to retire to come here you know yes yeah they they kept calling us the youngins like on the bus (laughs) and like all these people from all over the world you know are are coming and they're all retirement age and they just all always kept looking at us going it's so amazing that y'all are so young and you're coming people don't usually come to the holy land when they're young and, and I said, but how, you know, how sad is that? There's nothing like it. You yeah. know, because mm-hmm. once we went there, we we're like, you were saying, 
everything just came to life. You know, when you're literally standing at at the place where they believe that Gideon, you know, was choosing the 300 and, you know, there's that big rock there and I'm literally looking up going, I'm, I'm in this story. Like, I mean, I mean, you know, not really, but I'm I'm just looking at where where this story's at. It just, it just kind of brought new life to biblical reading in that. And so we're, we're excited to do it on the, on the heel toe express, you know, just, just walking around. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Let's just, I just kind of want to go now. Yeah. Now that we could, let's do it. I know. Can, can we sign up again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, that's good. Oh okay. So, uh, so we were just talking about your trips to the Holy Land. Let's, let's dive in to the like contextual scripture reading, yeah. like really what made you lock in on that. And, you know, I know you started the teaching series, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Rabbis and Disciples, by the way, was, oh was awesome. I mean, Brad, Brad puts out incredible content for all you guys that need something to do. Like if you do podcasts or, or YouTube videos, the teaching series is awesome. There's a lot of visuals yeah. on the YouTube side of it as well. It's really good. Um, so d- tell us a little bit about that, Brad, about like what really made you hone in on, cause you were a teaching pastor, right? Mm-hmm. For, at, at the church that you were at before. Now you're full-time walking the text. Tell us a little bit about like what, what it was that made you really zero in on. My purpose is helping people contextualize scripture and read it how it was meant to be read. Yeah. Well, I had the, the great privilege of growing up in a Christian home. My parents were young Christians when they had both me and my brother and just had a heart and passion for God, even though that hadn't been, uh, you know, a big part of their story up until, you know, prior to us being born. And the thing about what my, my parents wanted was for my brother and I to learn what they didn't learn at their age. And so we went right into a Christian school went to a really great Christian school, had a really great education. And really we had been in the church, you know, from the time that I can remember my best friend growing up, his dad was the pastor. It was a little country church that we were part of. And so I had been around the Bible my entire life and didn't plan to go to a Christian college. Uh, I was going to college for basketball and then business and had no expectation or thought that I'd ever be doing what I'm doing right now. And because I was going for basketball first and business second, I went to the school that had the better basketball program that I could play at. And so I had the privilege of going to Christian school my entire life, including college. And it was during college where I started to have experiences with people teaching the Bible in its original context. And I was absolutely floored. I was like, I know the Bible. I've grown up in the Bible. But then when people were putting these stories in context, it was like, I don't know these stories. And what's more than that, it was that the stories came alive in ways that they had never been before. And honestly, I was pretty bored with the Bible. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I think I always had this sense, this intuition that if this is the greatest story in human history, it should be more compelling than the way that I've been taught it, you know, growing up or the way that I've understood it. And the moment that the contextual pieces were brought in, it exploded. Like 
the the stories leapt off the pages they 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 messed with me in a great way like i was experiencing transformation and joy and excitement and going there is a whole world you know under these words that i have never known before and it just created this enormous passion for me and then really what kind of set me over the edge was going on that first trip because now i started to have a two week crash course experience in all of this and at that point, I mean, my, my passion for wanting to understand the Bible in context, just for the benefit of my own life and my marriage and being a parent and a great friend and just being faithful to, to Jesus was on the one side of it. But then on the other side, recognizing that God had given me a gift for teaching and a passion for people and wanting to provide people um, an education that very few people get, you know, and that was the thing that was, was, was really interesting for me is that I served as a teaching pastor for more than a decade. So while I was going through seminary, I was a teaching pastor at two different churches and then came back after studying in Israel and served as a teaching pastor for several years in one church and then several years in another church before God called us on to Nashville, mm, yeah. um, you know, nearly five years ago. And what I found during that time was that, again, the vast majority of people have never been taught how to think about the Bible mm. in its full context, and that's pastors included. Yeah. And, and, and I, I didn't get that in seminary. Most people don't. I got some bits and pieces, but the reason why we moved to Jerusalem is because I wanted to get what I didn't get and knew was out there, but just didn't have the handles for it yet. Wow. And that's the thing that pastor after pastor after pastor will come up and tell me, I never got this, you know? And so, so much of walking the text is not only just to make the Bible more accessible from a contextual perspective for anyone who's interested, we have a significant number of pastors and leaders who follow walking the text in order to get the education that they didn't get because that is a piece that's just missing in our educational system, you know? And so part of my passion there is to go, how can we equip, you know, pastors, leaders, and just followers of Jesus as a whole to, when they open their Bible, they know what to do. They have yeah. a method, they have a framework so that they can read it with greater clarity. And with that clarity comes confidence that they know that they're not misinterpreting the scripture, that they're handling God's word appropriately and they know what to do with it you know and it's mm -hmm. and it's not just that as well as is you know jesus's great commission was you know to 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 go forth to his disciples and to teach them everything jesus had taught them you know so it wasn't just about like obey everything that i've commanded you like teach others to do the same like so much of life is how are we how are we assisting one another? How are we able to take these words of Jesus and not just make them, you know, relevant and applicable for our lives, but how do we communicate them in a way that other people can benefit from what we're learning and vice versa as we seek to be faithful to the words of Jesus, you know, for, wow. for our lives? Oh wow. my gosh. That's so true because I, I think a lot of people just talk about the problem is illiteracy of people reading the word, but like what you were talking about, people that know the Bible, like they've read through the Bible, they've, they've studied the Bible, but it's like the proper teaching of it is like not very, it's rare. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> and that's just like, wow, I, that's amazing. But yeah, we're so thankful for yeah. the ministry too, because yeah. even, even a few months ago, there's some things I read now and I'm like, wow, I always thought that it meant this, but it really was just like, nope, takes it mm-hmm. 20 billion times deeper than what, like, yeah. what I thought it was because yeah, the sure. Bible is never intended to be boring, you know? Yeah. And there's, yeah, and it's just cool. endless. And I think that's, that's what's so fun is, you know, and you, you guys got to experience, you know, the, the infusion Bible conference and, mm-hmm. you know, a three day crash course on just con- context through that Roman, you know, world. And we had people after people, and this happens all the time. We get, you know, emails and letters all the time from folks who, you know, are young who say, I like, this helps me understand the Bible. Like I'm so jazzed to, to understand yes. the Bible, you know, and then you get these folks who have been with, you know, a follower of Jesus in the church 40, 50 years going, I never mm. realized there was so much to the Bible, you know, because yeah. there's a point at which you can go, I'm just reviewing what I already know, rather yeah. than, you know, having this constant awareness and experience where the Bible goes deeper and you go, I never knew that was there. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's part of what context unlocks is it allows people who don't know much about the Bible to understand it because, you know, I always say that, you know, the best litmus test for, you know, reading the Bible in context is, is that the Bible should make more sense. Yes. You know, it, it doesn't complicate the Bible. It simplifies the Bible. Because when these writers were writing it, they didn't include the details that everybody knew. They didn't have an unlimited you know, Microsoft word processor, and they're able to do, you know, 100,000 words. It's like, I've got limited space. So I'm not going to waste time telling people what they already know about culture, context, history, Mm -hmm. geography, you know, they're only including the things that need to strike them, and they need to pay attention to or wrestle with. And for us, because we don't have that, we lose what's going on in that conversation. But when you can fill in that backdrop, all of a sudden that conversation makes more sense. The, the writers of the Bible were not writing to confound people. They were yeah. writing in order to compel people mm-hmm. with something that they would have understood. Right. And when you get folks who, who maybe have struggled in the past with understanding the Bible, when, when, when they see this framework and they jump in, it's like, oh, this, this clarifies things. And then it just allows people who have been at the Bible their entire lives to go, there is so much more here. And yeah. I can't wait to try to figure out what I haven't seen before. Yeah. Oh so, gosh. okay. So, so I really, I really want to, to get your, your, your thoughts on this. I mean, which of course you wrote the ebook and everything about all the lenses and, and everything. And so what, what is it name? Like the biggest, the biggest example in your experience of something of a verse if you just read it by itself versus when you put the lenses behind it, how it can completely change. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give you the one that I hear all the time. And then I'm yeah. going to tell you one of the most explosive ones. Oh, uh, all right. So okay. <laughs> the one that I hear all the time and, and it's, and it's going to be something everybody's heard is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, it's Philippians 4.13. And this is one where it doesn't require hardly any context Mm -hmm. to realize we've used this 
this passage incorrectly. Because every single time I hear, you know, Philippians 4.13, it's in the context of, uh, well, this team can win the championship or somebody can beat cancer or, you know, somebody can, you know, make a half a million dollars or Mm -hmm. somebody can do, it's like, you know, it's motivation. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's like, okay, so maybe God is calling you to do that. Maybe God is going to enable you to do that. But that's not the passage (laughs) that gets us the biblical truth for how God may do the the unthinkable within us. That one is actually really easy because all you have to know is Paul is in prison. And the four verses prior to that, he's talking about how he has been through the ringer. He has been on... The upside, he's been on the downside. And when he is talking about, like, like I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to be well-fed. I know what it is to have my needs met. I know what it is to have nothing. And he's talking about these highs and lows in life. And what he says when he says, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is he's talking about that if Christ is giving him what he needs, he's leaning on Christ then Christ can get him through whatever circumstance he's in. Mm. And he's not going to look and become arrogant when he's doing really well. And he's not going to become like, you know, completely discouraged when things aren't going well. It's that God gives us the ability to navigate whatever difficult situation we may be navigating in our life. Wow. You know, and it's, and it's, it's just very different than how it normally yeah. gets done. And that's a really, and that's a, that's a really easy one. You know, that, that that's a really easy one. Um, so I'll tell you one though, that, that is, is always really, really interesting to me is when Jesus on the cross says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. And this one is, is really interesting theology. And I've heard so many theological takes on this. But at least what I heard growing up was, well, when, when Jesus was on the cross, because he was taking on sin for past, present, and future, it became so great that God had to turn away from Jesus mm. because he was bearing, you know, the entire sin of the world. Um, and so that always, that always confused me because it was like, well, if we believe that Jesus was both 100% man and 100% God you know, then how does God turn away from God? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't under, I, you know, I've, I've, I've always been confused by at what point does sin become so great that God cuts himself off from himself? I, I mean, it's just a really yeah. kind of an interesting thing. But then what happened was, is that when I really got into the contextual studies and realized that so often Jesus, when he is speaking, he's actually quoting from somewhere in his Bible, his audience's Bible, the Older Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. And when Jesus is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are the first lines to Psalm 22. Hmm. And anybody who is there listening to this would immediately have their mind go to Psalm 22 because it's verbatim. I mean, the first those first lines are, are, are absolutely verbatim. And what I believe that Matthew did in recording this <coughs> was that either Jesus just said the first couple of words 
in order to draw himself and his audience, because there were people at the cross there, Mm -hmm. to Psalm 22, where Jesus actually recited the entire Psalm 22, and Matthew just recorded the first part of it. Mm -hmm. Mm. But one of the things that we see from around the time of Jesus is that the Jews, and even up to this day, they have what is called a death text, meaning they go to bed every single night saying the words, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Interesting, by the way, those were Jesus's last words, according to Luke, because the next line is redeem me, my faithful God. And so people, Jews will go to bed with the words of Torah on their lips, on the words of God on their lips. Mm -hmm. And there's also this understanding that if you have the ability at the end of your life, excuse me, to, to go out saying the very words of God, then you, then, then they have a death text that they have chosen. Um, a number of years ago, uh, there was an airplane crash and there was a number of Jewish people on it. And when they retrieved the black box, as the plane was crashing, they were hearing Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Wow. Mm. As they were crashing in unison among those who are on the airplane. So we have record of this, of rabbis in Jesus's day having a death text. I believe that Psalm 22 is Jesus's Jesus's death text. Mm -hmm. And when you read it, the parallels are absolutely mind-boggling where it talks about, you know, people are mocking me. They have divided my, they've they've drawn lots for my clothes. They have pierced my hands and my feet. It's all sitting there in Psalm 22. Mm. And what's fascinating about that Psalm is like many Psalms as they begin in desperation. My Mm. God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's very much a lament. God, where are you? Like all of this is going on around me. But halfway through the Psalm, everything changes. And all of a sudden it becomes incredibly hopeful. And in the midst of this particular Psalm, There is a point where it says, uh, in fact, I'll read verse 16. It says, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All of my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. I mean, it's the same thing that Jesus is experiencing. Like this Psalm Mm -hmm. is tapping into his experience. Mm -hmm. And later on, as it starts to, to crescendo into a really positive feel in verse 24 it says for he talking about god has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one he has not hidden his face from him but has listened to his cry for help Mm. wow and then as that rest of that psalm goes to an end it talks about how all generations are going to hear about this and the very last line it says they will proclaim his righteousness declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. That in Hebrew can be translated, he has done it, or it Uh, is finished, which is how John does this. Those are Jesus's last words in John. And so, and here's the other fascinating thing. Go through every time Jesus is talking about God in the gospels. Mm -hmm. He never once addresses God as God, but his father. Mm. So the very fact that he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, Like that's an immediate echo back to Psalm 22. And 
whenever you reference part of a psalm, you reference the entire psalm. Psalms, we didn't get chapters and verses until the middle of the 16th century, mm -hmm. right? So the psalms are in individual units and then collected units as well. And so that just becomes one of those places where, you know, I find so much hope in that there's nothing that I can do that, that God in a sense says, ah, that's way too much. And, yeah. you know, you're done with, and, and, and there's also this sense to what, what compels me on a totally different front is when you look at Jesus's life, like Jesus, Jesus read the text, he studied the text, he memorized the text, he lived the text, he taught the text, he died the text. If the son of God is that interested in the word of God, wow. then how much more do we need to make that the central aspect of our life? And not just in, you know, oh yeah, the Bible is important to me, but to really allow it to be the thing that influences everything that we do. Wow. Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> Brad, that was so good. Yeah. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Cause I always wondered about that too. Like he said, and, and that's what I was taught to the whole, like, well, God couldn't like look upon him anymore. You know, it, it did. Yep. It was just like, but why? Like, and I don't, I mean, and, I, and I'm not, and here's the thing too, is I know that like theologies that have been held for a long time, like sometimes that really rattles people. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I know that, um, I had to wrestle with that for a long time, but again, I always just challenge people to go, if you're trying to hold on to uh, an interpretation that you've had, you got to ask, is this, is this, is this, is this tradition or is this text? Mm. And, and so often what we have held on to are traditions and yeah. not the text. And oftentimes we don't know what's text and what's tradition. That's and true. when you are introduced to a new way of thinking about something, you always got to ask the question, does it make more sense of the text or are we having to jump through a lot of really difficult hoops to continue yeah. to hold on to the tradition mm -hmm. that I was taught? And that can be hard, you know, because then you start to question other things. But I, I don't think that we should ever stop questioning. Like questions were the very things that in, in, in Jewish educational society which allowed you to continue to grow. If we're not asking good questions, then we're not getting great answers. And if we're not getting great answers, we're missing out on things that are probably really significant. And we should constantly mm -hmm. be asking good questions, um, not because we're doubting God or we're doubting the text, but when we ask good questions, then we go on good searches. And when we go on good searches, yeah. we find good answers. And good answers allow us to apply that to our lives and experience the transformational power that the living word of God wants to have in our lives every single day. Wow. Yeah. And it kind of makes me think about what you were saying earlier about when your when your expectation doesn't line up with reality. Um, I know a lot of people that stopped believing that the Bible was accurate and everything like that because of some of the things that they were taught, right? That, that were tradition yeah. versus what you're saying, actual text. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I found is more important now about diving into scripture and making sure that you're cross, you're cross-referencing things 
and and it's backed up in other parts of scripture so that that way you're not relying on what your preacher said one time when you were 15 years old mm -hmm. that you know but you're actually saying i studied to show myself approved mm -hmm. right right and mm -hmm. yeah so i think i think that's incredible man i'm that that just that story of of jesus right there just wrecked me i, I couldn't think of anything oh further beyond that i was I could just chew on that all day, you know, and just sit there and be like, what other connections can I make? And, you know, yeah, it, wow. it's awesome. But Brad, it's, it's been incredible. I, I know if there's some more things that you want to share, we're, hopefully we can have you on here again on the podcast sometime in the future. This was awesome. Yeah. We, we appreciate you and, and your ministry, obviously, and, and uh, your family that supports you in that yeah. and shares in that as well. Um, IBC conference was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, the teaching series is amazing. One more time. I'm going to tell everybody that's listening. You, you can check out all yeah. of these things and feed off of the same resources that we do. Everything's an open book over here. We, we share all resources, everything, because we, we want everybody to learn with us and Definitely. not just have us teach them, but learn, mm -hmm. you know, learn with us at the same time. But Brad, thank you so much yes, thank you. For, for coming on here with us today. Uh, if anybody in our audience wants to follow him, like I said, we're going to put all of Brad's yeah. information in the, in the show notes of this podcast and everything. So you can go and follow all of his pages and I don't know, maybe buy, buy his book, yes. make your mark. I haven't started it yet, so I'm not going to give an awesome review on it yet because <laughs> it's, it's next in line. Yeah, I have yeah. not started it yet, but I have it. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be good, but Brad, Thank you, sir. You, you are a blessing. Thank you for, for sharing with our audience today and everybody else. Um, we'll see you next week right here. Same time, same place.